The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. While I was sitting here, uh, I thought of something just to say at the beginning, uh, a little intro or a little um, dharmat. And that is that... um, you know, on a retreat like this, I think we really get to see the different ways that practice works, um, the different forms of practice. I mean, we, we often think of our practice as being primarily the meditation. Um, and meditation, I think, can include the uh, practice of mindfulness in daily life. Um, but beyond that, in our daily life practice, we're also um, exploring a lot of concepts and ideas about the Dharma. Um, you know, the, this, this group, we're talking about the perspective of the Dharma. And so you're getting an infusion every day, twice a day, some of you are getting an infusion of a Dharma perspective. And that has a lot of power to it, actually. This is, the Buddha talked about wisdom operating in three different ways. And the first way that it works is with Basically hearing, listening, reading about the Dharma. That, that hearing, that listening, that reading kind of orients our minds towards this perspective of, you know, one of the phrases I've been using this week is curious mindfulness. Um, and one of my teachers sometimes says, you know, sometimes we equate mindfulness and awareness, and his, the phrase that he sometimes use, is, uses is, awareness alone is not enough. That if we think about somebody who's just aware, just kind of wandering through the world, and aware of what's happening in their lives, um, it may or may not be the kind of awareness that serves, serves us to wake up. I mean, just, just imagine... Um, a classic example of this is a thief, you know, in, in somebody's homes trying to steal things. And how present they might be about their movements and their, the way that they, um, you know, to, to keep silent. So they might be very, very present. But the orientation of that presence is to steal something. And so the, uh, the, Buddha, um, the Buddha's teachings orient our presence of mind in a particular way. It orients it, the, our presence of mind to a, um, a non-judgmental, non-reactive um, awareness of what's happening in the present moment for the purpose of understanding, um, basically understanding how our minds work, how our minds get caught, why our minds struggle, why our minds suffer, why, why, do, we, why do we get caught in our habits, our patterns. Um, so the, the, the perspective of the, the Buddha's teachings orients us towards what I'm calling this week curious mindfulness, a, a curiosity about what's actually happening right now. And, um, you know, if you were to take that thief if that thief actually became aware of what was happening in the moment, the fullness of what was happening in the moment there would be an understanding of the contraction around the greed and the the contraction around what they were doing and that that uh, so that that kind of awareness of the thief is not a complete 
picture of what's going on in the present moment. And so our orientation is towards this uh, opening more and more towards an understanding of stress, suffering, unease, dissatisfaction, and to, to begin to understand how and why that works in our minds. And so the teachings, the teachings of the Buddha and what we're talking about in this room helps to orient our perspective to curiosity about what's happening. I mean, so many times I, I, I remember saying, look more closely, look at what's underneath, see if you can meet just what's here. Um, not, no need to judge it, just open to it. That perspective is what we're, we're orienting to over and over and over again. And so hearing that, that's the first way that wisdom works. And the second way wisdom's, wisdom works is, is that you, you might think about it. You know, you might, you might actually reflect on, does this make sense to me? Or, or have I, um, how, do, am I understanding what is being said? And so this is a second way that, that wisdom works. And, you know, we are working with thoughts this week. I haven't talked too much about using wise thoughts. I did a little bit the other night. Um, you know, we can actually bring certain kinds of thoughts into our um, into our minds to help us in this stance of curious mindfulness. You know, we might find we can use um, a wisdom reflection of, I, I think I did mention the other night, this is nature. Did I mention this is nature the other night? Nobody's looking like you're recognizing that one. Uh, maybe I mentioned it at another time. <laughs> um, so that, that's actually one of my favorite wisdom reflections to drop into my own practice. And to me, basically what it captures is that what is happening right now, what's unfolding in this very moment, is a natural unfolding based on the conditions of my past, based on how I have been... Um, how I have chosen in the past, as well as how I am in this present moment. It's, it's a very natural unfolding. It's just like nature, when you plant a seed, I think I talked about this a little bit the other day, you plant a seed and a tree grows from that seed given certain conditions. You know, that, that seed growing into that tree is simply... A process. It's a natural phenomenon. It doesn't take um, extra intervention to make that happen. It just basically makes the conditions to uh, to be good, and it, it the, the nature of that seed is to grow into the tree if the conditions are right. And so. Um, What's happening right now is a natural outcome of what has been happening in the past and how things are right now. And to me, that's what this, this reflection, this is nature, helps me to remember. And so if what's arising in my mind is frustration or impatience or anger, sometimes I can find a little bit of space or depression. I really use this one a lot with the, the experience of depression when depression arose, I just reminded myself, this is nature. You know, this is, this is, it's, it's not this is me or mine. This is just a natural consequence of 
the conditions of my life up till now. And it, 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 at least for me, it really helped to take the personal out of it. It really just felt like, yeah, of course, of course this is happening right now. I don't have to own it as me or mine, but I do get to experience it. And that reminder of this is nature helped to create a space to allow that curious mindfulness. And so sometimes we can actually use thought skillfully in our practice to uh, help to create that stance of non-judgmental mindfulness, that stance of interested awareness. So a few like wisdom reflections that um, I found helpful. And I generally suggest to people, find your own words for these kinds of things. Um, sometimes these wisdom reflections can come uh, from things that you've heard in talks and that, that have resonated with you. Or it may have come, come from something you've seen directly at some point in the past and um, just don't quite have access to in this particular moment. So for me, one, one, uh, one of my favorites is something like, it's just anger. <laughs> it's just Confusion. This, that, that one to me just reminds me, this is simply a phenomenon that's happening in the present moment right now. It doesn't need to be made into something bigger. So that's another one. This is just whatever it is. Um, some of the classic ones from the Buddha, he suggested, and this is impermanent, <laughs> recalling impermanence. He suggested recalling, this is not me. This is not mine. This is not who I am. Again, this is just a process. This is just a phenomenon. So these are ways in daily life we can, if we remember, we can bring, consciously bring wisdom in. You can, we can also bring in metta. That's a skillful tool at times. You know, that, that, that is bringing in a different kind of wisdom. And then there's the wisdom that we gain through the actual practice of mindfulness, the wisdom that comes as we meet our experience and we really see for ourselves in the moment, oh, this is just anger. No big deal. It's just something happening now. It's not a problem. Wow, in fact, it's kind of interesting. You know, so with that kind of a shift in the mind that this is just anger becomes deeply understood, not just something that we're reflecting on. And there are many, many different ways that that direct wisdom can, can come. And, um, you know, I hope to hear some of it. So, you can turn it off now. So, what? <laughs> um, so, a question about... Uh, being mindful while swimming and how pleasant, pleasant it was and um, how present you could be in that. And, um, um, and then the question of, but is that just, you know, cultivating pleasure or um, should I be mindful in times where um, I'm struggling so that I can learn about my suffering and dissatisfaction and unease? And my basic um, hope is that you can be mindful as much as possible. Um, and if 
One of the things I learned, I think I, I, think I said this um, on Sunday, but the very first time I practiced mindfulness, I had two projects. I, I'm pretty sure I talked about my two projects of anger and switching between DOS and Windows on the computer. And, um, you know, when I was noticing the anger, I was learning a lot about uh, how my mind reacts to stuff. I was learning a lot about how mindfulness brings some space and some ease around the anger. When I was switching between DOS and Windows, what I basically was learning is that mindfulness is not always unpleasant. <laughs> and this was really helpful. <laughs> it was really helpful to learn that mindfulness is not always unpleasant, nor should it be. <laughs> and the, I mean, it can be really helpful to find activities that are pleasurable where you can practice mindfulness, as long as it's not that you're looking at it as being, oh, that's what mindfulness is always supposed to be like. Because, you know, sometimes mindfulness is, uh, you know, mindfulness really serves us when we're struggling and suffering. It also serves us in that kind of a situation. I mean, your, your mind was not going out into... Um, planning the future, or it was, it was right in the present moment. So it was getting the flavor of presence over a longer stretch of time. So there is benefit to that. You also see how uh, delightful it makes present moment experience when it's not unpleasant, when it's not suffering, to actually be mindful. I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's very delightful. I mean, one of the amazing things about mindfulness is uh, when you're present, you know, when you're present, um, uh, you know, the, the simplest little things are, are amazing. I mean, like the sound of a bird, the, the blue sky, the breeze on your face. It's just, you know, when we're actually present and not spinning into the future or lost in the past and there's not pain in our body, you know, sometimes the present moment with mindfulness can be a very delightful place. And so it's, uh, we're not trying to avoid that (laughs) either. Um, So it's, uh, you know, I, I, I would encourage you to find times where mindfulness feels easier, but to not just try doing those because if we only think mindfulness should be easy, there'll be whole stretches of things that are, you know, whole areas of life that we can't bring mindfulness to. And so a lot of what I am emphasizing this week is looking at those areas where we're not mindful and seeing how can we bring mindfulness into that. In this case, this was, this was easy. You thought, let, let me try being mindful while swimming, and there it was. That's fantastic. So, you know, you, you don't have to not be mindful while swimming. <laughs> and I would encourage it. I definitely encourage it. Um, let's see if there's anything more to say about that. And definitely enjoy it when it's, you know, the, the, that's another, I think, mis, mis, misunderstanding sometimes that we um, we hear about you know, greed and liking things, and then we think we're not supposed to like things. But the practice asks us to notice when there is liking, when there is enjoyment. Like in this case, 
There might have been a little bit of greed in the pleasure of the swimming. Maybe. But it sounds like largely the pleasure came from the presence of being in the present moment. And so being present for that enjoyment begins to help us to tease apart the kind of uh, enjoyment that has some clutching to it and the kind of enjoyment that that's, doesn't have any strings attached. And the more the mind learns about the kind of joy that is just the open-hearted joy, that the joy that you know, Blake talks about, um, that, how does it go? He who kisses, well, he who, does anybody know this? Kissing the joy as it flies, lives in eternity sunrise. He who would clasp to himself a joy does the winged life to destroy. You kisses a joy as it flies, lives in eternity sunrise, something like that. Um, you know, it's the 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 jo- when 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 we're grasping after pleasure. There's a contraction that actually gets in the way of the beauty of the pleasure of the present moment. And so being in the present moment and noticing enjoyment is happening, delight is happening, happiness is happening, and every now and then you might notice, oh, it's going to go away. Okay, grasping is happening. Just to to recognize when it turns into that wanting more of, wanting to have more of it, and when it is just the open-hearted this is this is what it's like to be in the present moment right now and the delight of that. Practice brings a lot of delight and a lot of joy. It also brings a lot of um, um, humility, <laughs> you know, a lot of humbleness of, of seeing just how our minds get caught. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to say stop doing that. That sounds great. <laughs> Thank you, Walter. He who binds to himself a joy does the winged life destroy. But he who kisses the joy as it flies lives in eternity's sunrise by William Blake. Thank you. uh, I'll say a few words about I'll say a few words about apathy and laziness um, and working with them um, in the in the um, the projects, you know, that, that kind of, oh, I forgot, oh, well. I mean, again, you might want to, well, notice that kind of laissez-faire kind of attitude there and remember to recommit each time. That, that recommitting is so important. It's, um, you know, it's like, yes, it's, it, and, and it's, oh, well, but it's like what's happening now is another piece of that, right? So it's not just, oh, well, I missed it. It's, great, here I am now. What's happening now? What's, what's obvious now? Um, so I'm, I'm wondering if that, that laziness is actually obscuring the actual moment of re- remembering, you know, is, actually, is obscuring the, the waking up that's actually happening as you remember that you've forgotten. So just check into that. Check in and see if you can be interested. And I'll say, say a few words about this a little more maybe because I think I talked about it the other day, but I don't remember really clearly talking about the moment of waking up. 
um, you know, the moment when mindfulness comes back, you know, it happens all the time. It happens in our sitting. It's the moment when we realize, oh, I'm not with my breath, or oh, I was lost in thought. In that moment, mindfulness has returned spontaneously. I did talk about that part, you know, that, that, that spontaneous arising of mindfulness. And thank goodness monta- mindfulness arises spontaneously because um, it is said that mindfulness is the proximate cause for mindfulness. And so, you know, what, what hope is there? <laughs> the, the hope is that mindfulness does arise spontaneously. And when it arises spontaneously, that's when we have some possibility of of uh, connecting and cultivating it. And so in that moment of mindfulness arising spontaneously, I think I emphasize the effortless nature of that, but what I don't remember talking about is in that moment when mindfulness arises spontaneously, it's, it's a great moment to begin to get the difference between what it feels like to be awake and what it was like just a moment ago when we were lost in thought. You know, we're not really aware in the moment when we're lost in thought in that situation, but there's, there's a lingering memory. Perception remembers, the process of perception remembers what it was like just a split second ago. And in that moment of mindfulness returning, whether in sitting meditation or in daily life, every time that mindfulness spontaneously returns is a chance to really get a flavor, get familiar with what the difference is between mindfulness and non-mindfulness. And it begins to give our minds an education about the benefit of mindfulness in that very moment. And so um, that moment of remembering that you've forgotten is a prime opportunity to see that moment, to see that arising of the spontaneous mindfulness. And so I want to just encourage both in sitting meditation and in daily life to kind of be interested in what is it to be mindful in that moment. I think I talked about what's obvious, but it's almost like, what is it to be aware? You know, it's, it's like a universe has been created when mindfulness arose. It's, it's kind of amazing, you know, the, it's like the light goes on. And what is it like when the light goes on? So there's that, um, that exploration around that moment of waking up. Uh, I think for all of you that would be helpful. And then in terms of the the laziness um, in general, um, definitely interest in it. I mean, you said you're tired. Um, Tiredness can lead to that kind of sloth or dullness of mind. And um, we can have a view, an idea that it's not possible to be mindful when we're sleepy. Um, and that can lead to a kind of a laziness in, uh, in meditation when we're tired. It's kind of like, okay, you know, I'm tired. I'm not going to give myself a hard time, but we don't try very hard either in a way. Um, the thing that I like to encourage in that kind of a situation is not to try to force yourself to be awake, but be curious about just over and over again, how might it be possible to be mindful of this sleepiness? How might it be possible to be mindful of being tired? And it's, 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 an, it's an interesting um, thing. It's actually more about relaxation than doing. Um, 
the, I mean, again, with, with, I'm going to give an analogy. I often use this analogy when I talk about sleepiness and dullness of mind. Um, when mindfulness is kind of like a mirror, it reflects, it just reflects. It doesn't change what's there, it just reflects what's there. It reflects beautiful things, it reflects ugly things, and the mirror, the reflecting power of the mirror is not changed by what it reflects. And that's very similar to mindfulness. It simply witnesses, you know, it is kind of a witness that doesn't impact and is not impacted by. Well, I can't say actually it does impact. I mean, there is an impact of mindfulness on experience. It, 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 uh, it begins to shift our relationship to experience. But it doesn't, uh, it, the, the mindfulness is not impacted by what it is reflecting, by what it is knowing, by what it is aware of. So um, to carry the analogy of the mirror further, think about when you are in your bathroom and there's steam coating the mirror. So you can't see the objects in the room when the steam is coating the mirror. And um, you, you, you probably want to like take your towel and wipe the towel down so you can see your reflection in the mirror. And that's typically what we do with mindfulness, with sleepiness. You know, the, that um, when our mind is dull, it's like there's a fog over the mindfulness. There's a fog over the mirror of mindfulness. And uh, we want to wipe that mirror clean. We want to wipe the fog away. We want to do something to get rid of the fog so that we can see something else. But if we go back to the mirror analogy, that mirror in the bathroom is actually doing its job perfectly. It's reflecting every drop of water on the mirror perfectly. It may not be doing the job we want it to do. It's not reflecting what we want it to reflect. And likewise, when the mind is dull or sleepy, the easiest thing to do for mindfulness to do in that state is to simply know sleepiness. And to, what, we, what we try to do in that state is something else. We try to say, oh, I'm sleepy. Let me pay attention to my breath. Let me see if I can find a sensation in my body somewhere. And that's like bringing up a lot of, um, it, it's working counter to what's already here. And so when there's a lot of tiredness and sleepiness, you know, I like to encourage people to play with, can you just know sleepiness? I mean, just like... I do this all the time. <laughs> this is, and it's actually one of the great things about this practice. I mean, how many of you think of being sleepy while meditating as an unpleasant experience? S- sometimes, okay. Um, I almost always thought it was unpleasant before I started playing with this. But what I discovered is that sleepiness is unpleasant while meditating. When we're trying to get rid of sleepiness, when we're resisting sleepiness, when we're trying to do something through the sleepiness, when you actually pay attention to the sleepiness itself, it feels really good. It's a very pleasant state. It's a very pleasant experience. And so that, in my own experience, that pleasantness brightens the mind a little bit. And, and I can actually stay quite present for the, those states of sleepiness, of dullness. 
Um, Laziness is another thing. Complacency is another thing. So um, complacency can come in when we're tired. So that may, I'm not sure if that's what's happening. But complacency can also come in when, when we've like gotten on a roll and it's like, oh, figured this out, you know, been there, done that. And just kind of we get lazy about engagement. And so with that kind of thing, um, reminders, wisdom reflections can be really helpful. Uh, wisdom reflections about like the fact that we don't know when we're going to die that's a real good one to wake us up Um, and and being aware of the state of complacency too I mean that that um, it, it's 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 kind of checked out. Complacency is not fully present in its in its experience. Um, it's kind of like got another agenda somehow. I don't know. It's almost like the mind is split somehow. So it's it's. It, I mean, I think it's interesting to explore complacency, but. Um, I would encourage a. A little bit of um, uh, resolve, maybe, around complacency. But with with, with the tiredness piece, you know, it, it sounds like the laziness was a little bit with the tiredness. So I would encourage exploring the tiredness itself in that one. 